Good afternoon. I'm Tim Swindle, director of the Lunar and Planetary Laboratory at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Joining me today for a conversation about multiple star systems and the planets around them is Caitlin Cratter, an assistant professor of astronomy at the University of Arizona. Caitlin, thanks for coming in and sharing. Thank you, Tim. So what got you interested in studying multiple star systems? You know, it's something I, I sort of fell into uh, when I started doing my PhD thesis uh, at the University of Toronto. I didn't really know what I wanted to study, and I went around and talked to a lot of different people, and uh, the person who ended up being my thesis advisor uh, was really excited about dust and disks. And I, at the time, I thought, gosh, dust, really? And, and I learned what I think a lot of students learn in, in our field, which is that as you learn more about anything, it becomes extremely interesting. And so we started this project trying to understand how the disks uh, around stars help feed material onto them and how they grow and uh, what kind of physical processes in the disk let material fall onto the star versus get thrown out from the star. And while we were researching this topic, we realized that there was a process in these disks that was likely to make them turn into not just one star, but multiple stars. I'm pretty excited to talk about this today because we actually just found observational evidence that this process actually happens. And what was that evidence? We were able to image a very young star-forming system uh, that is composed of three stars. And when we looked at the image, what we saw was that there were two of the stars that were sort of embedded in this disk of gas and dust. And we knew that stars should be embedded in these, these disks of gas and dust. We'd seen that before. But in this case, what we saw was that the disk was unstable due to being really, really massive. So its own gravity was powerful enough to generate these spiral density waves. And at the edge of one of these waves, there was a newborn star. And so what we found was this triple star system all forming in one big disk. And this is something that's only been possible to discover in the last couple of years because of um, this new observatory that's come online um, called the Atacama Large Millimeter Array, or ALMA. So it's a bunch of different things that basically look like radio dishes um, on a high uh, desert plain in the middle of the Atacama Desert in Chile. What you can do is if you point them all at the same source, if you have a very clever algorithm, you can actually combine all the light from all of these different dishes, and it's sort of as though you simulate an aperture of a telescope that's as big as the separations between the dishes. And so this has been used to discover a lot of really exciting structures in the disks that make planets as well. Different wavelengths give you different things that you can observe. What do you mostly observe with ALMA? With ALMA, what you get to see is cold dust. And so there we come back to dust again. It's one of the best ways we have to trace the process that makes stars and planets. Because we can't really observe things like, like rocks in, in disks that are very, very far away because they don't emit a lot of light. But the dust grains, which slowly grow and make these big rocks, those we can see because they radiate at these long wavelengths. What is the next thing that you're going to do? Is, is ALMA just getting started, or are there other observatories coming online that you'll use? Uh, here at the University of Arizona, uh, I've done a lot of work with um, Elgato, which is a, a big cluster that we, we built through the astronomy department. Um, but the university recently invested in, a, in another cluster called Ocelot. So I'm going to let the other people go continue bringing in the great data. And then what I want to do is make better and better models, meaning using a whole bunch of computers tied together to solve sort of the basic equations of physics, but applied to these sort of astronomical problems. 
is a stellar system like ours with a sun and a few planets in nice, almost circular orbits going around it, is that the exception or the rule? Right now, the truth is we don't know. And the reason we don't know is a solar system uh, like ours is actually really hard to find with most of our observing tools. So the best ways we know of to find planets are either by looking for uh, the tug, the gravitational tug they exert on their sun, and that works really well if the planet is really big or really close. And in our solar system, the big one is Jupiter, and it's not really close, so maybe we could see something like Jupiter now. And then the rest of our planets are either kind of small or really far away. And so we're only just now discovering uh, solar system analogs. Our best guess now, I would say, is that we're sort of right in between. So 50% of stars probably have systems that don't look quite like ours, but maybe the other half do. Caitlin, thanks again for speaking with us. I'm Tim Swindle, director of the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, and this has been Arizona Science. You can hear this and other Arizona Science conversations by going to the Arizona Public Media website at azpm.org.